It is my 500th episode of being a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I have a special guest to help celebrate. So joining me on today's show. Careful, Jack Cam. Nice hit. Perfect, Steve. Cleanly levels Mazaros to free up the puck. Now taken here by Ryan Carter. Back to the point. Redirected. They score. And Jansen with the redirection. Cam Jansen with his second goal ever as a devil. And it's 2-0. You're Locked On Devils. Your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador. And you're Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. All righty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer, and also Devils writer for Pucks and Pitchforks, Trey Matthews. I am joined alongside proud St. Louis native, former New Jersey Devils enforcer, and also one of the co-hosts of the Cam and Stick podcast. It's Cam Jensen. Cam, how you hey guys. doing, man? What's up, guys? What's going on? So, Cam, I just want to say you're probably one of the more exciting guests I've brought on because... I've seen your other work on a lot of other hockey podcasts and such, and I know that you're a reserved, quiet kind of personality. No, I'm just I'm I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm ready ready to have an off-the-cuff, laid-back kind of discussion. But before we get into some of the fan questions, I want to ask you, uh, growing up in St. Louis, Missouri, where did hockey begin for you? Well, hockey began – listen, I'm a first-generation hockey player in my family. Um, you know, we grew up way out about 40 miles away from St. Louis, kind of in the country, you know, um, and I, I never knew about hockey. I didn't know the game. My parents didn't know the game, but we loved the blues. The blues were awesome. We got into it. My dad took me to Cardinals games and I was like, ah, you know, I kind of got distracted when I was a kid, but when he took me to a blues game and I, and we sat by the glass or he took me down for warmups and I saw Brett Hall and I saw Tony twist and I saw chaser doing their thing and Tony twist just, you know, beats the hell to some guy takes his Jersey off in a penalty box flexes for everybody. I'm like, Whoa, as a kid, I'm like, I want to be that. Like, that's what it is. You know, Holly with his mullet cruising around scoring 86 goals. Like that's what got me into hockey. But how I got, how I got, uh, was able to play is I rollerblade. I, my dad bought me rollerblades and we go down the basement. We had this little like concrete area and all my buddies would come over. We just stick handle and play down there. And I finally got into roller hockey and then finally got into ice hockey. But I didn't start ice hockey until I was nine years old. So I just went from house league or learned to skate to house league to AAA, really. So I was like, boom, boom, boom. I was able to like jump and play competitive pretty quick. But I also played every other sport too. Soccer, football, wrestling, um, cross country, track, baseball. So you play everything. You become an athlete. But then I became obsessed with, with the blues. So I'm like, I want to play hockey. And I wanted to hit guys. Well, you probably already answered one of my future questions before we get to that. After playing with the Windsor Spitfires in the OHL, you went on to be drafted by the New Jersey Devils in the fourth round of the 2002 NHL draft. And what was that process like to get your name out there? And just uh, to follow up on that, what was it like to get drafted into the NHL? Well, hell, it was probably harder to get drafted into the OHL at the time. Because I was a kid from St. Louis, we're playing AAA hockey here. We had to go up to Michigan all the time and play in the Michigan National Hockey League, which is great. We get our butts kicked left and right. But I would have a couple goals and I'd put a couple guys down with some hits 
and I was wild and energetic and I was able to skate. And, you know, I was, I was strong at that age. So I got a lot of attention. So Windsor drafts me. I didn't even know what the hell the OHL was really Ontario hockey league. No idea. Me and my family are like, what, what? So at a young age, I had to move up there. Me and my dad actually went up there for the draft. My agent's like, so I had like a financial, they give a, a family advisor when you're young, you know, they call it a family advisor. Probably so Scott, Scott Norton took me up to Canada and said, no, you're going to get drafted to the Ontario hockey league. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Do I got to move up there? What's the deal? You know, we were so like aloof to anything when it comes to that being from middle Missouri, of course. Um, and so I get drafted and we're like, okay, we're moving up here. And so I had an awesome year. My first year led the league in fights and penalty mints and put up, you know, play good, you know, became real popular in the town. And then the devils drafted me and I knew I had to go up to Toronto for the draft. And, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty wild up there doing all, you know, talking to different teams and my parents are up there and, uh, and we, uh, we celebrated pretty hard after that. It was awesome. It was, it was cool. And Lou Lamarillo looked at me, by the way, and goes, you look like a hockey player. And I'm like, damn right. It's funny. Someone actually asked me a question in regards to Lou Lamarillo and how he is, like, in terms of being, like, the godfather or something like that. I'll ask you that question a little later. But um, I know you played a few years with the St. Louis Blues organization, your hometown team. But I'm sure the Devils hold a special place in your heart because that's the team that drafted you. And I know sometimes it's hard to just – pick a, a team that you gravitate towards just because the St. Louis Blues, your hometown uh, team, the team you grew up rooting for, the team that got you started uh, indirectly in the sport of hockey, and now you get drafted by the New Jersey Devils. Uh, if, if you don't mind me asking, which team do you gravitate towards more? Devils. Devils? Okay, that was pretty easy. But look, I'm with the boys here, you know, not, not hanging out with the guys on the team, but like all the alumni, I'm part of the alumni here. The Blues had me do stuff left and right because I live here. So I'm like associated that way, but the devil's drafted me and I went up there and they spent money on me. They took a chance on this crazy kid from Eureka, Missouri. No, no, no. I, and the fans. And I remember like getting hurt. And I, I told Lula Amarillo, I'm like, look, I'm out for six months. I, I got this cool. Like I, I became pretty popular quick. Like the fans, like they, they liked my energy. And I always talked to people when I went out and always made friends away from hockey too. Like I always did. And I'm like, let me go like sign autographs. I'll do it for free. And just let me go to these rinks and sign autographs while I'm hurt just to keep in touch with everybody. That's how much I, I, I love that. They took me everywhere around Jersey. I did it in all the rinks and I loved it. And I can go up there right now and talk to so many people. I love going to games. I always go up there when a blues play, but they, they took a chance on me and I'm like, and Lou signed me right away. Cause I didn't have any money and I needed money to work out. And I, I yeah. And I played there longer, but I'm here. So it's kind of, you know, but the devils are the team. They did everything for me and brought me back. What was it like when you scored your first goal in the NHL that went <laughs> top shelf? Yeah. Oh, my God. My parents were there, too. It was awesome because I took a stupid penalty, right? <laughs> I took a stupid tripping call right before how that. Many penalty box. You, uh, how many stupid penalties have you gotten in your career? Not, just well, <laughs> well, this was a stupid penalty because I tripped a guy. I never took penalties, actually, unless I was hitting, hitting a guy. I, I, my penalties were all fighting majors for the most part, or I'd crush a dude and, you know, get my elbow up or something. And, yeah, I get that. But like, I never took hooking. I never took penalties after the whistle. I didn't, I was disciplined, very disciplined. I'd always skate up to the guy and poke check him instead of reaching. I never did that crap. So that's why I, you know, I, if I did, I probably wouldn't have played as much, but 
Um, but the hitting penalties, yeah, those came, but I was being aggressive. It is what it is. So anyway, I took a stupid penalty, hooking one, which I never do, in the penalty box. I'm like, I'm never going to play again prior to this game. Marty Bernard is making saves out the wazoo. Jay Pandolfo is like blocking shots with his face. John Madden's blocking shots with his Colin Whitestein once. I'm like, oh my God. Finally get out and the, Marty makes a six save, goes to Pando. Pando cuts it to me on the right-hand side. I got Ovi back checking. That's when it was lazy Ovi. And he didn't, he could have took two more steps and poked it for me, but he didn't. I came down and I ripped it. It might've got tipped. I'm going to say no, but who cares anyway? It went bar down. And there's a picture of me celebrating with my parents in the background. <laughs> That's really cool. I hope you have that framed somewhere in your house. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm redoing. You notice how boring the back of everything is in this my little office. Now. It's not little, but not, I, I'm going to redo everything. I got all these, like, devil stuff. I'm going to put all the teams. I put, it, we're going to really make this thing awesome down here. Well, my wife is. I, like, carry stuff. You know, I'm one-dimensional. Hey, fair enough. So you appeared yeah, in 336 NHL games and racked up 774 penalty minutes. So you were known as an enforcer during your playing career. Where did that aggressive nature come from? I think you already kind of answered that when you went to the my blood. <laughs> that came from my blood, my bloodline. I didn't just like turn it on and say, I'm going to be tough. No, I was tough as a kid. My mom and dad are tough. My family's, you know, comes from just tough, like, you know, blue collar like you know you want to go you know but not crazy but i was crazy too so i was able to like funnel this craziness into an athlete and like a persona on the ice and i was able to have a cool swag and do my thing and you know and i was i was tough enough to be able to have that and i i just formed this play i didn't even know what the hell i was doing but i knew what i wanted and i can let this aggression out and I love the sport and it just all kind of came together, but I, you know, but yeah, I want, I was fighting guys at a young age, <laughs> not in like I grew up hard on the street. No, it was more like I know the brother and I, and I was aggressive and I got my butt kicked a lot by older guys at a young age. And that was good. So it humbles you. And then, you know, how you learn from it. Like, Oh, I gotta, uh, that guy might, I gotta figure more things out. And then my dad took me into Jesse Finney MMA when I was 16 and I learned how to box. And then I turned that into hockey fight training. And then I had Patty Maroon, Catman, Reed Lowe, Brandon Bullock, all these St. Louis guys. And we all trained hockey fight together. But I started that when I was 16 because I'm 5'11", dude. And I'm fighting six foot six guys. I got to have a game plan. I got to be as tough as possible. Well, I respect the aggression. And yeah. it certainly <laughs> carved you out a decent career in the NHL. And, you know, sometimes... Uh, if you can't score a goal, sometimes you got to assert yourself somehow or some way. And you certainly did that by just being the enforcer. But as the league starts to change, it seems like you can't even touch someone without going to the penalty box. Well, Is there still room in the NHL for an enforcer? I mean, fighting's still there. It's just they, the guys aren't like bred that way anymore. But you could you could hit. Like I, if I didn't, if I, I was a good hitter. I was able to fast enough to get in there and crush guys and then fight guys. So it's like. If I was just a fighter, I, I wouldn't have, I would have been a couple games and out, but I was able to hit guys consistently and Lou loved that. And I was able to get on the four check and be a crash land hit. And so if I, I was good at timing my hits and I had good balance and I'd get you right in your sternum because I was shorter. So I could like get down and catch you. And so that intimidated guys. So like the guys would call the puck up and then my line mates would get the puck and keep it in the zone or whatever. So I, I, I really conquered that at a young age uh, because I was quick um, and, and so that, and then you got to stick up for yourself. And I was able to do that and be able to fight guys for two and a half minutes and put a show on for the fans. 
Okay, so let's talk championship runs because you appeared in 48 games for the 2011-2012 Devils team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Obviously, you didn't appear in a playoff game, but what was that locker room culture like? Hey, you know what happened, dude? (laughs) Oh, boy. So, so, uh, you know, me and Eric Bolton were the older guys. We weren't playing. We knew we we weren't playing. We had a solid team. We were kind of like the odd man's out. And so we had to take care of the young kids, the black aces, you know who we love. We'll take care of them. We skated with them and stuff. And it was a grind, but Lou, <laughs> Lou wanted me to go into the locker room before the games, not playing and give a pump up speech before the game, like two minutes before they go on the ice. Meaning I walk in, excuse me, I walk in and I look around the room and everybody's like got their towel over their head and stuff. It's like the most intimidating thing I've ever done. Not even playing hockey or fighting guys walking into that damn locker room on such an important game and had to give a pump-up speech. So I was trying to be so creative. I'd come up with these different skits and pump the guys up throughout the playoffs. I know it's kind of pathetic, but if Lou wants me to be around the guys two minutes before they go play, there's something to that. And I know it's kind of like that, but it's funny. But that was really intimidating. That was a long grind, man. And we lose, you know, like it was, that was tough. That was, that was a tough ordeal. But, uh, but I tried to contribute as much as possible. So what was like your go-to pregame song? Like, did, did, are there any artists that come to mind or did you not have oh, yeah. Pantera, baby. I like to get, you got to understand what I'm doing, dude. I'm going 100 miles an hour energy, balls out, hitting guys, got to fight a guy. Do I like heavy metal. I like everything, but heavy metal got me through dark times. It got me pumped up to, you know, do what I had to do. And I like going to concerts too, but I listen to Pantera. I mean, Avenged Sevenfold to to uh, Iron Maiden to Judas Priest and Robbie Halford. You know, um, all that remains. I'm just thinking like out loud. I mean, there's a ton. Oh, Lamb of God. Oh Lord, that might scare you, man. I'm telling you, they're hardcore. But uh, but yeah, like that's I love heavy metal, but I also like Pearl Jam. I like the you know I'm a '90s kid. I like the '70s stuff. I like. I like Pink Floyd. Oh, yeah. I like, you know, chill out and listen to Pink Floyd on a boat, you know. I'm all over the place with it. But when I need to take care of business, I'm listening to heavy metal. And I like rap and country, too. I mean, like, there's, I like more, like, there, you know, like, Nelly's from St. Louis. Like, he's cool. Like, I like his stuff in the 90s in high school. Outcast in high schools, uh, Bone Thugs. And then country, you know, like, country's probably the least for me but I appreciate it. And my wife loves it. So I have to like, listen to it, you know, really, because, you know, you said you're from a small town. I would figure that you know, know. country would be your go-to because I went to a small college in Adrian, Michigan, literally in the middle of nowhere. And the top thing was country at our, always at our spring concert. It was just a country artist. I'm like, I've never heard of any of these people. I know. I know. But there's, there, there's some good stuff. I like some Zach Brown band. They're cool. You know, I don't know if that's country. I like Alan Jackson back in the day. I like Garth Brooks. He's a big hockey fan. Saw him live. Like, he loves, like, hanging out. He, Kelly Chase knows uh, Garth. So he comes and gives, like, live shows for the blues, alumni and stuff. Yeah, dude. He's cool as hell. I saw his documentary, too. It's pretty cool, man. That guy was gigantic back in the day. Um, but, yeah. But, like, like there's a, you know, I love every kind. I like techno, man. There's some cool techno. DJ Tiesto. I'll jam out to him. I feel as though since I'm a NASCAR fan, I kind of have to like country a little bit, you know, just got to. Oh yeah. Listen You're a NASCAR to, fan. I am a, I am a huge. How'd NASCAR you get into fan. that though? 
how did I get into NASCAR? Well, my yeah. dad introduced it to me because I was in first grade. The movie Cars was released. I it was my favorite uh, Disney Pixar movie. Yeah. I wanted all the toys. I wanted all the merchandise. And I asked my dad, "Is like I said, is Lightning McQueen a real race car driver?" He said, "No, but like the King is. Like you know the the baby blue forty three car." I didn't see it, dude. I didn't. See. I saw. I saw. Uh, uh days of thunder in the 90s with tom cruise and then i got into nascar a little bit with that too and i collect all the cars from hardies and stuff and then by complete accident i just found a nascar book in my house and i was just like you know what i'm gonna give this a look and i'm like wait a minute i know that car that's from the that's from the movie cars or and, and and then you know i just get this obsession with it i'm watching it on tv i see some of the sponsorships i'm like uh, Tony Stewart, driver of the Home Depot car. I'm like, I go yeah. to Home Depot all the time. So Tony was kind of my guy growing up, but now- That's um, cool, man. And I actually went behind the scenes in NASCAR a little over a year ago with my friend because he's the um, the grandson of the VP chairman of Penske Racing. So I got to meet all the driver. Hey, all- keep keep him as a friend, by the way. Well, <laughs> I was friends with him before I, I was friends yeah. with him before I even knew that. So, but- we, I, I don't, I don't have too many NASCAR fans to talk to. So it's just like, cause you know, yeah, I was going to say kind of a dying sport. Dude. Is it a dying sport? I don't think it's, it's jamming. NASCAR. It's jamming. Fun fact. NASCAR actually has the oldest fan base of any yeah. major sport. That's not good. You need young kids to watch. Right. Look at blues. You go to blues games. There's kids everywhere. Young kids in St. Louis are dumb. Hockey is gigantic in St. Louis. These kids are coming out of everywhere. You know why? It's hard to, it's hard now. I know there's little races and stuff around St. Louis. I, we uh, we have uh, God Almighty, we, we got so many NASCAR stuff going on in St. Louis. But um, but yeah, it's it's hard to get into because you kind of need to go go karting. Like it's not like it's not like baseball or like soccer where you just you get into it organically. Like I'm gonna go drive a go kart around. Well, well, that's kind of dangerous at a young age, right? You know, it's also very expensive because, you know, yeah. that's why there's sponsorships that are paying for exactly. your engines, your cars, your tires, all that. And that's Gas. why see, that's why some of the smaller market teams don't really get anywhere no. past 30 because they don't have sponsorships like some of the major teams do. So it's just You're like, right, dude. so it is very hard to get into. It's very expensive. And, you know, uh, you got when you're young, you got to pay for it out of pocket. I tried to get into NASCAR, but my dad was, or I, like I tried to like actually go racing. Really? My dad was like, it's just too expensive. Like it would have been a great experience to actually get behind the wheel and, and you know do the racing, but it was just way too expensive and time consuming. I know, man. Now you can just go to the races and have fun and party, you know? Absolutely. With your Pinsky buddy. <laughs> Absolutely. 100. He's not much of a partier, but still love him. But. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You go to pray at it's cool there, man, especially like in the, in the, uh, circle there with all the RVs, everybody's doing their thing and hanging out. I like it. I'm going to Arizona State in uh in like a week or two, so it's gonna be go boring. go watch the uh coyotes down there. <laughs> no, oh my god, five. Th- th- don't get me started on that. That sucks for the guys, man. The, the, but yeah, 32, you got 32 year old guys on the, on the coyotes, like, oh, cool, I'm playing in front of college kids again, like 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah, I know it, 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 their ticket prices so are goofy. insane, it's like a few right. hundred. It's like three hundred dollars a pop a ticket, or or like group tickets or For something. that place. Yes, because they have because the the stadium is so small. Oh, they have to compensate right. it for the missing seats. So it's just like that's right. But I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 whatever. Different. Whatever. They, I, I love my buddy Clayton Keller. He's from St. Louis down there. You know, 
Right. He's living on the mountainside, hanging with the boys. He's got a chef. He's got he's got a mountain house in Arizona, you know, like 360 view of like just beautiful mountain ranges on a golf course. I just he's doing it right. But he's playing in front of 5,000 people, and it's like, yeah, it sucks. Well, speaking of playing in front of a lot of people, let's get back to the uh, the championship run. So the captain of the team that went to the finals uh, back in 2012 for the Devils, Bryce Salvador, he's appeared on my show before. But obviously, aside from Bryce, you had people like Marty Brodeur, you had Patrick Elias, you had Ilya Kovalchuk, you had Peter oh, yeah. Chikora, Travis Zajac, and others who are currently still playing in the NHL. What's it like to play with some of those legendary Devils players on the rink, albeit players like Elias and Brodeur were past their primes? I love Marty. I love Patty. I loved Kobe. Kobe was, I know some guys have some, you know, and I get what Kobe did, you know, Kovalchuk, but he was such a cool dude. I loved him. He was so cool to guys. He was always happy, such a freak, handsome, six foot three, skate like the wind. The most skilled player I've ever played with, for sure. Besides Jagger, I guess. But but Kobe was awesome. Like he would, ha- he'd be fun. He laughed at like all my jokes and stuff. You know, like he could have just like been a big dog, eh? but he was cool. He's just always in a good mood. Now him and Lou with the contracts, ah, look, those guys, man. Like when you're that good, you gotta do what you gotta do. I, I don't give a damn. I feel bad for the fans what he did. Like don't get me wrong, but he's a good. He was good to me, man. And that's how I judge things, you know, contractually with business. That's business. But I get where people could be pissed at him. But I love that dude. Marty's awesome. Still talk to him. See him. Um, yeah, yeah. And Zach was hardcore. Uh, you know, did it work out in Minnesota? Not really. Got bought out. Uh, Travis Ajak grinding. He's always going to have a gig, man. Uh, God, there's a ton of guys. ton of guys. That team was awesome. We were. It was fun. We had a good time. Anton Volchenkov. Remember him? crushing guy i loved him sweetheart of a dude his english got worse and worse throughout the years for some odd reason very bizarre i just think he didn't like talking to people but he was still social with us always go to dinner i don't know david clarkson me and my roommate yeah despite not winning the stanley cup it seems like you guys had a lot of fun during your championship run oh yeah dude of course we were a fun team we had fun we had fun and that's helped glue it's like a glue, you know? Like, I think, like, Lou Lamoureux didn't have to have Boltz and I, Eric Bolton and me, on the same team, but we were, we were like, best buddies, and we'd make everybody laugh and happy, and we'd go out and have fun and work hard and, and help take care of the young kids and stuff. I don't know. Like, I, I get what he was doing, and it worked. Although, the Kings are really good, and they beat us, but it was a cool locker room. It really was. Don't worry, there's still more in store with my discussion with Cam Jansen. But before we continue, I want to bring you guys the first and only live read this morning. And it comes from our friends at BetOnline. So BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, NASCAR, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top resource for all your sport wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have everything you need, and they have everything covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Please remember to gamble responsibly and visit our friends at Locked On Bets for all your betting needs there as well. Okay, it's time to jump back in with our discussion with Cam. So take it away once again. Okay, so we got some questions from fans who know oh. off the cuff and will answer pretty much anything. Yeah. 
So the first question is, which Ranger player did you hate the most? And I probably already have a feeling who it is. So I'm going to say it. Why was it Ryan Holwig? Well, just, just because I fought him a lot doesn't mean I hated the kid. He's actually a really good dude and a good teammate. Um, uh, well, he did hit you from behind. and He was dirty a little bit, and but he fought me. I would have really hated him if he didn't fight me, but he did, and I kind of piss-pumped him, and it made me look good, and it probably gave me a couple extra years, you know, like just more. Look, when you beat up a guy hardcore like that, like it, it people see it, and it gives you a little bit more room or whatever, although he's not, you know, he's not going to trade punches with you. But at least he fought me, though, and he's supposed to be a really good teammate. And he got crushed by Chris Simon. Oh, God, remember that? I've, I've seen the videos, but remember that. Um, oh God. I, so you didn't hate him, but is there a Ranger no. there that you know? Nope. Well, Avery pissed me off. You know, I, he had, he came on the podcast and stuff and I, and I, but, but on the ice, like I, I did want to hurt him, you know, and I know that's mean to say, but like, he knows it. Like a lot of people did. He was good at what he did. And this is like a compliment to him. Like, I, like if I, I was always good about like not doing crazy, crazy things. And although I did hit guys weird, I, I know that. But like, as far as like beating up a guy, like I, I, I wanted to get him, you know, but that means he did his job and stuff. But uh, he's the one that probably pissed me off more than anything. So I feel as though I do like him though, by the way, like, you know, if you come on my podcast and you give us two off, like I respect you for that. And I appreciate it. But uh but yeah, like he was probably the guy. Hockey is such a game of respect where they don't want people to police the game. And it's just like, you know, I, I always, PK Subban had this saying, which was for hockey, it's just one of those sports where you fight someone, but at the end of the night, you're going out for drinks or that kind of thing. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I, I never hated anybody. So of all the guys, I, I never, I, no one really chirped me. Like I, I just did my thing. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I was cool with everybody. Although so, I wanted to hurt him, don't get me wrong. <laughs> so obviously the Devils and Rangers are huge rivals, but is yeah. the rivalry aspect to it more of a fan thing than it is a player thing? Because you said you don't really hate anyone. You just like, you know, you, you know, it, it's a competition and you want to win, obviously. But at the end of the day, it's just like, I might be going out to for a drink with this guy. I might be going to this guy's wedding or, you know, he and I still keep in contact. And I think I see more bad blood in the stands when, fans fight one another than it is on the uh, rank because for the players, it's not really personal for the fans. Never. Well, not never. No, sometimes it is, but not like, not like UFC where they're like chirping each other's, you know, like life and stuff. It's so horrible. I, don't, I never understood that with that, but like, no, nothing for me was never personal, but like, I'll give an example. Like my best buddy on a team was bolts for the most part. And if he got traded the day later, I'd want to fight him and hurt him. Not in a bad way, but like, you know, go like I want to catch you, prove myself to you competition-wise, like you're like back in the day when you had, I don't know. It's just, that's my mindset. Like I can still be best buddies with you, but if I'm gonna fight you or I'm gonna play against you, and I gotta compete and you know, I'm working so job, I'm gonna get you. And I, I love you, but I'm I don't care. Like there's I could turn that in a weird way in my mind where oh, oh, hey, I don't know. I know I sound crazy, but I, that's honestly how I felt. So that's probably not how everybody does it, but I, yeah, it doesn't matter. This is a competition. I'm very competitive, especially in that department. Like I'm not letting you beat me up. I'm going to catch you with one. 
Yeah, and and you know, I played sports. I'm a whip now, just so you know. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I totally get it because being a former athlete myself, playing at the college level, it was never personal. That's the thing. Like people seem to forget. Like, yes, I want to win. At the end of the day, I do want to win the game. I want to win a championship. I want to go for it. But at the end of the day, it's like if if our relationship is tainted over a game, our relationship was pretty bad to begin with. That's what I like. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, dude. And you cross check me from behind, and I break my orbital bone because you did. It. I'm, I'm gonna get you, and I might get pissed at you, but like it's not like that i i talk to all i have all these all these guys on the podcast like they all we all respect each other we text each other and be like what's up dude you see that like you know i follow them on facebook and instagram we message each other i'll put up a cool clip of something like remember that god we remember those days you know trevor gill is a text name that like, remember us brawling like hell yeah at the time i'm like i gotta try to survive with him of course but i'm like i gotta catch you with one you know so how it is we were crazy Okay, so what do you know about the restaurant bar with Marty where he fought a police officer? No, uh, he didn't do it. Listen, here, here's the deal with that. When I said the one I talked about, Chip, I screwed up on one part. I said he was an undercover cop. He was just an off-duty cop. I just said the wrong thing. But I go, <laughs> one of my first days there, these guys already think I'm a nutbag. I'm 21 years old. I was, a, I was loud and training camp kind of on the ice. And I think they respect me, but they're like, he ain't going to last long. So I remember them inviting me out to, a, you know, like after a game and a couple of days off. So we went to this rock bottom that was in West Orange. And my buddy, Mikey, I love all you guys. Mikey Cellarella, love you, buddy. You and Frankie. And, and he was best friends with Marty Verdor. And he owned the bar Rock Bottom. So that's where everybody went. We all kind of lived in that area. And I'm a young kid. And I go in there and there's big dudes everywhere. Like it was a police bar. Like all the cops came in there girls i mean it was cool like all the guys are sitting up on this little stage and they're just watching me i'm trying to get a drink da, da, da. no one knows who i am in there yet you know i just got there and these guys are bumping me and i was young i kind of cut over my eyes just i beat up a couple guys on the ice you know i felt confident a little bit although the guys are looking at me like this kid ain't gonna laugh he'll be here a week and he's gone and so this guy kept bumping me toying with me and it's like he's kind of like stocky shaved head kind of scary looking dude and he kept bobbing, like, God damn. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? And, he, and we kind of looked at each other and he kind of pushed me and then we went at it. And I kind of got caught up and one of the guys grabs me and he kind of beats my ass a little bit. And all of a sudden, everybody breaks it up. Mikey comes over, hey, hey, stop, stop, stop. And all the guy, I could, and I look up and I'm like, oh my God, what the hell did I just do? I go get into a fight my first night out with the guys. Like, just, you don't do that. It's embarrassing. Like, no one wants to deal with a kid that does that. Like, yeah, well, gotta watch out for Cam. Like, no one wants that. No one wants a kid that goes to a bar and, like, is Pepe Le Pew and grabbing. Like, no one wants that, dude. You gotta be disciplined. You're like, you know, these guys are like, you're, you're with them and everybody knows you're with them for the most part. And, like, you can't put them on a spot. So, anyway, I look over there and the guys are just laughing. Because they know, they know everybody there. No one's going to say anything. I didn't know that at the time. And I realized that guy was <laughs> just like an off-duty cop. And he kicked my ass. And we became buddies. And we bought me drinks all night. We all partied. We all hung out. And I never did that crap again. But that was that was one of the times. When I said, like, undercover, no, he was off-duty. And the guys are laughing. And I stayed. And I didn't get sent down the rest of the year. But that was a little wake-up call. And, I, and that's not funny. And it's not cool to do that. But it's funny now 
because the guys were up there laughing at me like he's donezo. But it, but I figured it out. So what did you see in Lou Lamorello today that makes you remember him well when you were drafted as a devil? Uh, was he more secretive and intimidating like the Godfather? Lou is my, I love that man, 100%. Now I was crazy. He took a chance on me. <clears throat> I was willing to do anything for the, for the, you know, for the crust on the front, like he would say. And I really was. And I was good at a team. Like I was, I was always early. I was always doing stuff and I was tough and I had brought energy and I was good on the bench and no one bullied anybody around. I'd fight anybody for anyone at any time. And he knew that. And he was good. He kept me in my place. He put me on my in a spot. He embarrassed me from the guys once in a while. Not bad. Not like what Mike, Mike Babcock did. No, none of that crap. Just like, you know, a couple of times he called me in the office and I kind of say, what are you doing? And I knew I did something. Cause I was going out too. like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> you know, I wanted to hang out with girls. Like, you know, like, and I, I was so uh, like, just wasn't aware. Like he had people watching everything. I'm staying in the hotel. Like, I just know he had something on me. You know, he called me in the office, you know, make me cry once in a while. Not cause he was mean or anything like that. Just because I knew I did something and I had nothing else going. Like if I would have got sent home, like now, what, what are you going to do cam now? Are you going to work for that construction company? Nothing wrong with that. But I didn't know construction. I'm one dimensional. I'm a hockey guy. So he just kept me like, God, I got to be right. Don't, okay. Yeah, cute girls. I want to go hang out. No, 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 no. You got stuff to do. Figure it out. You're getting weighed in every day. You better be, your weight better be there. If you're drinking, that weight sticks on you and you're going to get embarrassed. You're going to get Mike Vassalani. He's going to get you in that weight room. And you know what? You're not only going to get one other chance after that. So there's a lot of pressure that he put on that was good. And I learned how to be professional and not be a sideshow. And that's why I stayed 10 years. And I had so many other issues going on. And I don't even want to get into it. But he kept me in line. My mom and dad love him. Oh, God. They are like, I was so out of control in juniors, did whatever I wanted. And all of a sudden, I go to that organization. Luke kept me in line. And I needed that. So it seems like you have a great respect for Lou Lamorello. Oh, God, yeah. Obviously, he's with the Islanders organization. And... Uh, he still tries to recruit a lot of Devils players to come over and play for his team. He brought me back. <laughs> you know, I just he he I he signed me when I was eighteen. I need we our my family need the money. I need the money to work out. Like I need the money to help my parents a little bit. And he knew that, and he believed in me. I'll never forget that. Like you take care of me like that. Like I'll never ever forget that. I talk about him every damn day. Either it's I reflect something when I compare something with something that he did with me on my radio show every day on a podcast. I always bring him up. I had him on my podcast. I just, you know, I know he's been through different things with different guys. Maybe some guys don't like him, but what he did to me and for me, I will never, ever forget that. And my mom and dad know exactly too. They love him. So my buddy, Jersey Joe, uh, he was the one who asked about like Lou Lamorello and what he was like behind the scenes. Seems like Lou was the type of guy was just like, he, he wants you to get your act together so that way he can put the best team out there on the rink kind of yes. thing. Yes. Yeah, dude. He would be there first before anybody. And I knew that. So I would get there first before anybody and get my stick taped. And he'd walk in to say hi to all the trainers, everybody. He'd be there before everybody. So he says, everybody, hi to everybody in the office. Hello. Look at you right in your eyes. Then you go to the trainers. Hello. How's him? How's, how's Kevin doing? Good, good, good. How's Billy? 
good, good, good. How's Cam doing? Is Cam good? I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm here, you know, depending on what I did, who knows what I did that night. But I would always be there first and stretch in just, just so he knows. Like, I had to do that. Like, I was, I was kind of ahead. Like, I, I knew where I had to be, like, with, with him. And it, it was it was good. It was great for my career. But he he was good like that. Maybe he was a little too much with the coaches. Like, I could see, you know, he's always around. You know, it depends on your relationship. Sometimes you don't want the GM coming. If you're a coach, you don't want the GM coming in and asking questions every damn day. You got to do your thing, you know. Um, but uh, but it worked for a long time. And he's great at negotiations. And he gets the best out of you. And, you know, again, on a personal note, like he just he saved my, you know, he just, he took me to my dad. And I love my parents. My mom and dad are the OG hockey family in St. Louis because I'm the first one ever to make it. And we came from nothing, no hockey experience. No, nobody's like, damn, okay, mom and dad have money. He's going to make this team. No, no, no. We did it the hard way. And my dad was so good with me, mom and dad, and they accepted it. It cost money. So they're the OG hockey parents. But that only went so far. Because then when I was getting a little bit cocky and I was doing things, I was getting attention, then I needed to be in money and I needed to be humbled again. And that my parents couldn't do it at the time. I had my own house. I was at parties. Lou did that for me. Does that make sense? Am I rambling? Do you get what I'm saying with that? I get that. And you're just talking about a man who really did a lot for you, your family, your career, things of that nature, because he saw you and he saw the potential. There's a reason why he brought you back. And there's a reason why he wanted you to go into the locker room and just motivate everyone because you talked about that championship run. And basically he was like, no, I don't want Bryce Salvador to do it. I don't want Travis Zajac to do it. I don't want Patrick Elias to do it. I don't want Marty to do it. I want you to do it. I want you to go into the locker room. <laughs> well, he probably wanted those guys to do it too. Like, don't get me wrong. They did it on the end. I think it was more like, get the guys loose. Like, ah, you know, what's he going to say? And yeah, it, you're right, dude. hundred percent. And in a way, but you know, the leaders kind of still go out, go out there and do what they got to do. But yeah, it, it, it's just in a nerdy way. It was, uh, if you really look at it, like you're still talking, Lou wanted you to talk to the guys before an important. Yeah. Cause before an important, yeah. I love it, man. I do. So many of these athletes, they just, they think they get the little bit of money and, you know, obviously I've been around the hockey culture myself. I know like what it's like to, or, or I don't know what it's like personally, but just like, you know, I've seen the stories of like, you know, people going out, partying, having fun, whatever the case might be, and just basically throwing away their career and just like, it, it, it just gets to them. And it's not just hockey. It's all the major sports where oh, yeah. you get a little bit of money, you get a little bit of power, you get a little bit of fame and you feel as though you're invincible and you could just go out and do what you want to do. But at the same time, it's just like, at the end of the day, you still got a job to do. You got work to do homeboy. Damn yeah. right. And like, I, I was able to, I, I, I'm, I'm a freak when it comes to that. And I done near kill my, killed myself doing it, to be completely honest with you. We don't have enough time to get into everything. But I will, I'm probably going to write a book, man, eventually. I, I went through hardcore stuff, really, really hardcore. And I found a way out of it, spent a ton of money, didn't know, you know, like, like just was living in the fast lane so hard. And balancing my workouts, because I would, I would party all night. And then I'll, I won't go to bed and I'll still go to the gym. And probably have done near have a damn heart attack. And then I'd go skate and then I'd hang, you know, do, you know, and then kind of do it over. And I was able to do that and then juggle different things. 
Um, but yeah, I learned from it, man. Like, damn, I spent a lot of money. I wasn't making a ton of money, but in my little bubble, I was making money. Oh, my buddy's making money. I was doing this at a young age. Started, started 18, they signed me. So I had a couple hundred grand. I'm like, okay. And my buddies are like hanging. Everybody's at their mommy and daddy's house. I bought a house when I was 18, like a little house next to my parents. I'm like, okay. So like even little things. So I kind of like, no one, I, I didn't have any, but my parents, what are they going to say to me? <laughs> you know, like I could do whatever I wanted. I was working out. I was strong. I was able to keep up and, you know, balance it. But, but damn, I got caught up in some things and, and I got out of it and it was the hardest thing ever. And I'm sure Lula Morello played a huge role in it. Like you just said, and um, I'm glad that you were able to just get well, that. Well, he didn't know. <laughs> he no, didn't I know. To make I, was, I, I was like, oh, that from everybody. No, 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 no. He knew some things. He didn't know everything. He didn't know everything. Hell no. No, no, no. <laughs> I knew it. You know. Oh, well, what, what, what he didn't know didn't hurt him. No, it's all good. It all worked out. Okay. So what do you remember about the Wade Belak fight in Toronto at center ice a few weeks after the Kuberlay hit? Cabs, cab, yeah, Cab, uh, yeah, I caught him hard, man. You know, I was, I was, if you slow it down, it looks god awful. Yeah, yeah, I know, dudes. I love all y'all. I love all you fans. You know that. But I was just doing my thing. Like, I, I was quick. I came out and I went D to D. And he's just looking at his passing. And I just was committed. And I caught him so hard. Knocked him out. Out. Stretcher. Actually, uh, called Julian didn't play me the rest of the night. But Belak wasn't in the lineup. Darcy Tucker comes out of the tunnel, tries to fight me. It just was crazy. So two weeks later, we're in Toronto, and I had to pay the piper. And that's what you do. If you're going to hit a guy like that, you better go out there and pay the piper with the big boy, Wade Belak. God rest your soul. Love you, buddy. Rest in peace, man. Awesome guy. He is an awesome dude. Tougher than hell. And I had to go take care of business at Center Ice. And I did. And I was standing in the end, and he caught me, and I caught him, and it was just a good brawl. And I took my jersey off in the penalty box and soaked myself because I was having a heart attack. <clears throat> well, you know, at least you understood where you went wrong, and of course, you, know, you just you just had to you just had to pay your dues. Oh, you got to pay the piper, dude. You're gonna do that? It was stupid. When stupid because I was committed, but you hurt a guy, and you hurt like their franchise. They hated me. That they hated me. They, they, I've never experienced that before, really. And juniors, I did here and there, but I was nice to the fans, like they respected it. But once you do that to Toronto and you hurt their best defensive, best player on the ice, and you're and they were going to the playoffs and kind of ruined the play, they want you dead. It took me years to get back to the fans there with podcasts and doing TSN hits up there and stuff. They hated me. Well, I, you know, hey, I'm sure you've amended it. And yeah, it's all good. You, you guys suck it up. You did that. You got to pay the price. What do you, what are they going to, they're going to, they're going to threaten you. The, the fans are going to belittle you so much. I mean, if the social media was as much as it is now, I would have took a beating hardcore, rightfully so. And you just got to suck it up. You did it. You know, if there are death threats and stuff like, yeah, you know that, but it's like, you know, what? like, don't, don't go on social media when you F up like that. Okay. Just don't do it. Oh, look at this guy. So just don't get off of it. Get off of it for a while. Come back in a couple months and figure it out. Like, get off of it. So let's move on from players to coach. What kind of pep talk did Peter DeBoer give you before the infamous night at the Garden? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. No, dude, we started that. Pete didn't say go do anything. No, he just started us. 
And me and Bolts and Ray Carter like, right. and we're like, let's let's go do some things. And they're like, okay, we're gonna put Krusty and Ruppy out there, and uh, missing guy, a great guy, tougher in hell who beat up carts. Um, but no, no one said anything. We're just like, let's go, let's do it, let's let's put on a show. And so, I know Marty was Marty was kind of pissed because he's got to like get re warmed up, you know. And I kind of get that, but it, whatever, it's all good. But they were they, they, that was pretty that was pretty cool. I loved it. Okay, so you know, I mean, yeah. Can you give like a play-by-play recap as to like what happened that night and what led up to it? Because you know it, it was here. I'll tell you. Yeah, let me tell you exactly what led up to it. Yeah, I'm sitting in the locker room. Me and Bolt are hanging out with carts because we're taping our stick and ready. And we're about to go out for warm-ups. And Pete comes in with the lines and here's starting. He puts our I'm like, oh, let's start a fight. I'm like, okay. And so we go out there in warm-ups and we're looking at each other, da, da, da. And then they know that we put our submit our lineup. So John Tortorella's like, okay, well, I'll put ours. Because they get last chain. They get, you know, and they put his. And then I go to Ruppy. I go, let's go. Ruppy's like, no. So I go to Prusty. I go, Prusty, let's go. He's like, oh, okay. And then Bolts went to Ruppy, and then Carts went to God, I'm missing his name. It's oh, Stu Bickle. Awesome guy. Cool dude. Tougher in hell. Good player. And he's like, you want to go? And so we all three did it. I mean, it's really that simple. It's not that much to it. No one told us any, no one chirped anything. We're just like, let's go put on a damn show. And you put on a show. And speaking of Marty yeah. Bodor, I got to ask you this because I kind of broke hockey Twitter a little bit. When I tweeted out saying Marty Brodeur is the greatest goalie to ever play the game, and it it it, it caught so much um, it, it caught so much attention because Bar Down tweeted about like who's the greatest goalie to ever play. Uh, Andrew Berkshire, I don't know if you know who. Well, that there's is. three of them. Yeah, there's three I of mean, them. I mean, well, I mean, really, I know you can go back in the day, but it's like it's 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 Patrick Wall, it's Marty, and it's Trihash. You know, I would say like the most dynamic, dominating, you know, acrobatic. Like Patrick Wild was cool. I like used just everything, like just he was so pop popularity, Stanley Cups. Marty was Marty was so good in practice. Marty, watch Marty. I go back and um I go on NHL network and watch these old like when the when the or I'll go on YouTube and watch uh 1995 Stanley Cup final and watch this watch Marty. He's all over the place, dude. He's doing these saves like, bah! Then he's like sauce passing the puck 200 feet for a breakaway. Then he's doing this, and he looks cool. And he, Dude, he was unbelievable. He was all over the place. Donald Hoshik, unbelievable. Patrick Wild, like, they, you know, Patrick Wild's fighting guys with center ice like a psychopath. Unbelievable. Telling the GM of Montreal, get out, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. You let me stand there for 10 goals? I'm out of here. Then he goes and wins right so that's not a stupid question, but you're gonna get the but no one's chirping, yeah. It's not like you like said, uh, you know, something political, like, oh, yeah, like that's just a cocky question. Like, what do you think then? Like, my know. colleagues, all my colleagues always come at me when I say Marty Brodor is the greatest goalie of all time. They they don't like him. Well, he might be, hell, he might be like it's, it's either one, you could just switch around or whatever. Maybe you could throw another couple goalies in there, but. But Marty and Patrick, Patrick Wah, like what, what, what? Look at the numbers on everything. So it's yeah. either one of those two, probably. And, and Damakashik's up there because his uniqueness, and he finally won. Yeah. It's subjective, but yeah, but it's cool. It's all good. Just had to ask because you actually played with Marty uh, for a few years. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
you know, I was with them since I got drafted and training camp. And I was always like, and, and I always tell the, I always tell the young kids that are on these NHL teams, like I didn't hang out with the rookies. I forced myself to hang out with Marty and Colin White and Richard Matthewchuk and I mean Jamie Langenbrunner. And you know, I like I I just force as a young kid, instead of going with the young kids after practice, those guys like, you know, they have nannies. So they didn't have to go home. So I'd be like, what are you guys doing? Like, why am I hanging out with the kids that have no idea what the hell they're doing? They don't. I'd be like, hey, what are you guys up to? And I just kind of wheeled myself into that group at a young age. So you nudge yourself. You know what I mean by that? Yes. yes. It's like the kid who who tries to force his way into the popular group Mm -hmm. first day of school. Like, I don't care. Yeah, we're we're the popular kids. Oh, I'm like, so I want to pick your brain. Yeah. How do how do you do? What do you? I want to I want to hear you guys talk. I want to hear you guys talk about what's going on. I want to I want to be a sponge. What do you? What's going on? I'll be cool. I'll just chill. You don't, you know, they always take care of me. But like I did that. None of the other guys did that. The young exact I would do that with the older guys. Honestly, I'd cool. Honestly, I'd probably do the same thing if I, I was know. if I was why even... am I hanging out with the young kids? They don't know anything. I already know what they know. What do these guys know? They've been in the league 15 years. Hang out with the older group. <laughs> and they take care of it. Okay. So somebody asked me on YouTube and I they worded it poorly, but they said, ask him if he still drives around with Milwaukee's best in his trunk. He told us that story when he was rehabbing his shoulder and was at a winding river rink in Tom's River for a devil's youth clinic. What? I don't know. That I this in I my I, trunk. Well, that's not good to do. Milwaukee's best. I don't even drink Milwaukee's best. Never have. I mean, I'm a hillbilly, I guess, but I, I never got into that. I stole my dad's bush. My dad drank Bush, head from the mountains of Bush, and I'd uh, steal his beer all the time. Yeah, I don't know. What... He, my parents were very lenient, man. They were very lenient. But if I if I messed up, like my dad would give me that look, you know. But you know, they were lean. I was playing hockey hardcore, so I was like, I wasn't just sitting around doing something. You know, I went to a couple weird stages with that, but I was playing hockey hardcore. So my parents they couldn't really get mad at me if I messed up because I was doing good, really good in that. You know, I don't know. It was weird. It was. I don't know the hell that guy's talking about, by the way. Yeah, I mean, uh, but he also said that you were hilarious when you uh, when he asked him to sign uh, your jersey because he apparently he met you at some sort of Devil's Youth Clinic. And oh yeah, dude, that's what I like to do, man. And I always talk to everybody. I always tell these young kids: always be social with the fans. Be cool with the refs. Be cool with the fans. Always, even if they're like they might chirp you a little bit, just be cool with them. Be cool. Like, always be there for them. And hey, what picture you never always that's you have to take care of the fans. I was always, I always knew that. And I loved it. I can go back to these Devils games. I'll high, I'll high five people the whole time. Like, what's up? I'll do whatever they want. I know sometimes you got to be like, I got to get out of here. I get that. But I was always awesome. And don't, fans never forget that. They don't. Kate and I, my wife, wouldn't go there and get treated like gold. Everywhere we go, really. And if you want to go hide, you can go hide. But like we have friends there. It was, just be nice to people. Can I have an autograph? Always there? respect them. I was like always, I would always wink at fans and, and warm ups and like look at kids and be like, hi. But don't take yourself too seriously. I know it's a serious game. I get that. But the fans are there for you. Like they're paying for you. 
they working their ass off all week and they want to come watch you be cool with them. Damn. I hate that. Like, I'm just going to be cool with them. And you know who else to be cool with? The media. Find a way to be cool with the media. Be nice to all of them. I always was. I still am. And I went through some couple weird times, dude. And they were always good to me and they respected me. Even if they didn't, they didn't have to. They always did. I was always nice to them. And not that I was a big star, but you know, like I just, I didn't act, I didn't take myself seriously. When I had to on the ice, you do. But like with them, I, hey, what's up guys? You know, like, and I had to be like a robot at times because Lou would get mad at you if you said stupid things. Don't get me wrong. But like, yeah, I don't know. Be nice to the media because they'll love you. And if you're good and you do your job and you're not, you know, sometimes it's hard, but you know, there's my two cents. I'm rambling. I respect you for that. Just respecting the media, respecting yeah. the media. Can I have hey, I'm not going to lie to you, though. I- I'm not going to lie to you. If I did every podcast I was asked to do, just so you know, I would have no time to do anything. I keep my DMs open with everything, and I get asked, and I, if it's a devil stuff, man, like, I feel like I want to do, you know, but I got people all over asking me. I can't do it all. So just so you know that, I pick and choose, you know. I respect you guys are devil stuff. I want to get out to the reach of the devil's fans and pump, pump their tires up. I'm going to be coming in, in town with the blues probably this year for, they always take me to, to like the Rangers devil stuff with them um, uh, to hang with the fans, you know? And so like, I love going to Prudential center and talk. I, I walk around everywhere, talk to everybody. I'm going with Brian. I love that dude. Then I'll go to the Ironbound and have some good food and chill with my buddies. I love it, dude. I love Jersey. Well, I appreciate you for choosing my uh, request for you to come on and uh, do my show. Uh, I think I did. I, I, I tried reaching out to you last year, but glad it came into fruition this year. And yeah. I know I know you probably get like hundreds and hundreds. It's all of good. That, but that's what you want, though. You want that. And I can't you can't do, do them all. And the podcast does that, too. You know, like I'm out there. I got the radio show. I got the podcast. It's big. You know, you know, we. we we do really well on that damn thing, Andy and I, and you know, we own it. And so I think the fans want everybody's got a podcast, you know. Yeah, but when it comes to the devil's fans, so like I gotta take care of. And I appreciate that. It does seem like everyone and their mothers has a podcast. I mean, this is my this is my job, by the way. Like this is yeah, like mine too. I yeah, this, is my, this is not just me doing it for my leisure entertainment. This is this is actually my job. Yeah. Uh that's the difference. That's what I mean. And so it's like, that's, that's like, I, like the thing I have here, this thing I was saying, we're on a call. We lovely, beautiful, everything. Yeah. I got a podcast and a radio show. I have to entertain people every day. It's not, it's not a joke. Although I don't take it seriously. I do take it. I don't want well, on the air in the pod. I'm like, eh, but, but it's my living and I pay for, you know, <laughs> that's just how it is. People are like, is it must be the same as buddies? No. I research everything. I take, I know exactly what I need to be to be funny or whatever. I, I, I kick, I bust my ass on it. And, and so like, sometimes I think when you ask people to come on, they're like, is that, but if it's your job, like, yeah, let me help you. And that, and I think a lot of people, that's why we get everybody on too. And I appreciate you for, uh, for, for once again, choosing my show, obviously 500th episode, uh, guests, and I'm honored that you were, uh, that that you're the my guest of honor for the for that's for a bit a 500 dang dude 500 episodes wow over two years in at locked on 
Um, I've interviewed how many a week? I, I, I like I said, I've interviewed Bryce Salvador, I've interviewed Curtis Gabriel, Eddie Lack, I've interviewed a lot of other devil's news personalities, I've interviewed professional women's at, uh players for the PHF, you know, pretty much have done done it all so far and just just trying Good to keep you, man. Thank you. So and you learn, uh, listen, you learn so everybody knows something that you don't know, right? Everybody you ever interview, they'll know something that you haven't had in your head, right? You get my saying with that? You'll learn something new from everybody you interview. I don't give a damn if it's a guy that does what it doesn't matter. He'll he'll teach you something. Always remember that. That's why when we God, you, you talk to all these guys and they give you all this information and you're talking and you're picking their brain. Like I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? Like you learn, dude. And then you and then it comes out like on radio with me, like I'll be like, oh yeah, I had to, oh, he said this, you know, just, you're a sponge, man. Just remember that. Yeah, so learn. You're just enhancing your brain. Enhancing, learning and growing. Yes. So final question. Yeah. Favorite player in the NHL nowadays. <sighs> I got to give a couple of blues shout outs. Cause I know the dudes and I, I love Patty Morelli, you know, my boy. Um, I love David Perron. I love Braden Shin. I love the, I like the, blue, the blues, Ivan Barbashev. You know, like I just, I like Ryan O'Reilly's cool, just a cool cat. I like Tommy Wilson. I'm not going to lie to you. Love that dude. Awesome guy. He'll hit you from behind. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know he does crazy stuff. I get it, but I like him. You know, I love TJ Oshie. I love Alexander Ovechkin. I do. He's cool. He's loud. So, you know, he's, he's just a fun dude. Um, I like that Zach Cassian. <laughs> he's a cool cat, too. Uh, damn, I'm missing some dudes. Um, Probably the toughest question I've asked you so far. I mean, there's a lot of guys I like, man. And a lot of guys I interview that I even like more. I didn't even know I would like, but I like them. Oh, I got Trevor Zegers. Cool cat. He was on the pod. Cool dude. He's dominant. It's going to be awesome. Um. Uh, I like Jamie Ben, although he's, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about skill. I'm talking about cool. And like, I, you know, you hear cool things about the guy. Cause everybody knows everybody, dude. Like I know like I could call a guy and be like, Hey, is he cool? And like, eh. Or they'll be like, yeah, you, you just know, you know, I like that Panarin. I like that Jacob Truba. He'll put you down. I like to see the kid, you know, I, I now you got me thinking, homie, damn. I mean, there's a, there's a lot, man. There's a, there's a lot. Well, obviously the, the league is in games <laughs> and yeah. once again, 500 episodes in Cam, yeah. thanks for coming on. And thanks for being my uh, guest for my 500th episode. Anytime, Five century marks in. Anytime, brother. Be cool, man. You too. And like I close out on every show, continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day, New Jersey, go devils. And I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening once again.